Hey guys, welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm Susanna and we've currently been in a series on failure. We've been calling it Failing Forwards and we've had some guests on talking about their personal failures and how they've bounced back. But today we're going to kind of widen it and talk about the UK church and what happens when the church gets it wrong and the church fails because it's filled with flawed humans that get it wrong sometimes and we're going to be talking about how we can move forwards. Um, And so I'm joined with my really good friend Aaron. Um, He works for Fusion, which is a student charity, Um, and we're going to be asking him some questions about his experience of church leadership and how we all can work together to make it more inclusive. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hey Aaron, welcome to this podcast. I'm so excited to be chatting to you with these guys today. Mm. Um, And yeah, firstly, just tell us a bit about you, about Fusion, and I guess how you came to lead in like predominantly white or like historically white church spaces for sure oh, it's so good to be with you guys mm. uh i'm based in wolverhampton uh i am married and recently married and moved up uh but i work like you mentioned for a student mission charity called fusion and fusion uh, is passionate about seeing students meet jesus and be plugged into the local church and um, fusion has been doing that for 25 years um and for me, my heart is, and my role is to see the wider church in the UK be at the forefront of that mission. We want to see South Asian churches, Afro-Caribbean churches, Iranian churches, Chinese church in the UK be at the heart of that mission. Uh, and for me, I grew up in the South Asian church in the UK. So my dad's a pastor of a Tamil church in Liverpool, and I've been around South Asian Malayalam churches, and that's been my church kind of upbringing in the UK. Mm. But with Fusion, uh, like you mentioned, I find myself in spaces that was predominantly white. Mm. And uh, I think the first time I was in a room where I was the only leader who was from a different background was, mm. uh, yeah, it was, I don't know how to explain that feeling. It was strange because mm. uh, I'm used to being in a room full of people that look like me and you know, grew up in that. And mm. to be in a setting where I was the only person of color, I was the only leader, young leader, mm. who was in a setting full of predominantly white leaders was, was strange. But also, yeah, I realized the the kind of privilege I had to represent a community of people who weren't in that space or weren't contributing in that space. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I get to be here and I get to shape what's happening here. Mm. Uh, And Fusion and and guys around me have been a massive help in kind of championing that out of me. I often felt like I didn't belong in some of those spaces, but I've had some great friends and leaders above me who've gone, listen, we need your voice here. you belong here. So yeah, that's been yeah, come on. a bit of the story so far in, in terms of figuring that out. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think it's so cool what you're talking about, your voice being needed, because I think for me, especially when I first went to uni and I was looking for churches, I was looking at um, like whether, whether there were people in the congregation that weren't white. I think mm. just naturally when you go into mm. space, maybe mm. you guys might look for other men in the room or whatever. Yeah. And I was looking for other girls or other people that weren't white. Yeah. And I think in the past year, that's gone from congregation to actually who's on stage. Mm. And I care more now about actually leadership like mm, yes. who is shaping this space and who is who's got a voice here who's got responsibility and authority here what does leadership look like right. and so I guess for you what has been a bit of your kind of journey but also struggle with like specifically leadership and oh, you right. finding confidence in your voice and that yeah uh, really interesting when you talk about diversity of a room 
because a room can look diverse mm-hmm. uh, because of the people in the room. Mm. But true diversity isn't just the room looking diverse, it's the people shaping it being mm. diverse. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I remember early days being in spaces with leaders and one example was I was in a predominant kind of conference and I was one of the guys leading the room, leading that space with another senior leader um, and this kind of white senior leader walked Mm. into the room and kind of spoke to everyone, shook everyone's hand, spoke about what we needed to do. Mm. And I was like in the line of people kind of waiting to kind of chat about Mm. what, what we needed to do. And he spoke to the person next to me and just walked past me. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, okay. Like in order to make the decision for what's happening in this room, I'm one of the persons shaping it. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, I was completely excluded in that conversation because he probably didn't realize like I was one of the leaders or didn't think of me as one. Mm. And then there's been spaces when I'm like in fusion, I'm really privileged by friends who I call friends and colleagues and leaders who've just nonstop been on my case. So uh, one example is uh, Miriam, who used to be in the UK, now leads Fusion USA. Um, she came to a prayer gathering that we were doing for Fusion. And I mostly in predominant white spaces kind of put myself in the back of the room. Mm. I, I'm not near the front because wow. I don't really see people like me in the room. So I kind of kind of settle myself in the background and kind of blend in a little bit or kind mm. of keep myself to the corner. And I remember one time she came to the back of the room because she was about to lead a time. And she went, I need you at the front because I need you listening to what God is saying in the room. I want you praying and we're going to do this together. So you need to be there. Um, And Luke, who's our team leader, just came and put his hand around me and went, Aaron, you're a leader here and we need your voice. And like, I've had some of these affirmations by these guys around me Mm. and just thinking like, oh, this is a privilege. I get to do this and my voice here matters. Um, But also aware that that space isn't available everywhere. Mm. We don't always have that kind of people around us. Um, so yeah, looking to, I guess for me, my heart is what does it look like to create spaces where we are championing everyone's voice mm-hmm. and no one feels like, yeah, they, they don't belong in the stable or they don't have something to contribute is modeling a culture and, and a leadership that means younger leaders can see, you know what? Oh, I, I can, I'm welcome in this room, yeah. but also I get to contribute here. And that's, mm. yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's mm. huge. No, I love that. Yeah. And I guess all of us, like we're young leaders in mm. our spaces. Um, and so, yeah, I guess like for you, Kane, yeah. you, like your family don't follow Jesus yes. currently and you like are the only Christian in your family mm. and your first experience of church. Um, talk to me about like how you felt not being white walking into church. Like, mm. did you have any perceptions of what the room would look like or leaders yeah. would look like? And what was your experiences in that? Yeah, I mean, the first time I came to church, I mean, I never, as you said, I never grew up as a Christian, never grew up going to church. So the churches that I've seen were churches like we're in today, um, yeah. like modern type of like brick churches. And yeah, kind of, I thought churches were just all white, just all older white people. So when I stepped yeah. into my church, <laughs> I kind of like, we're kind of like blown away to see like people our age, like myself, young, following Jesus. And I kind of, it gave me, I guess, hope Mm-hmm. that I can actually follow Jesus and step into leadership because I think being a young leader is, is challenging, it's hard. Yeah. But when you have other people that's the same colour as you, that kind of represent, you know, like the kingdom of God and then heaven, um, you know, obviously when we get to heaven, it's not just going to be black people or white people, yeah. it's going to be multiracial people. Yeah, that's um, and that's God's heart. And that's so true. when I step into a church that, you know, that is like that, I'm like, wow, like, this is the heart of God. He's not so just true. for a singular people, but it's for everybody. Yeah. And even now, when I'm leading my small group, 
I'm not just focused on the white people or the people that look like me. I actually want to have people in the small group that is multi, you know, mm. multiracial, um, you know, from different backgrounds. I think it just brings yeah. unity as well. That's right. And yeah. I think it's so important, yeah, as you said, just creating a church that is that is unity, not just in the skin colour, but all nationalities yeah, and just showing, yeah, the heart of God. Yeah. Wow, I so, love that. It's so true. Like, I love mm. that picture of, like, heaven that mm. actually... That is God's heart. That's what heaven will be like. Mm. Every nation and tribe. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, yeah, that's so powerful. Mm. Just um, want to break into song. Mate, yeah. Every nation and tribe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let's I love go. it, bro. Yeah, Let's I'm go. so excited. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesse, mate, you're white. <laughs> and we love You're that. Right. <laughs> we love that. Um, yeah, as a white person, like, how, what's your experience been of church and I guess leadership? Has it been diverse? Has it not? Yeah. How does yeah. that impact you? How do you see that? Man, it's interesting. So I, I grew up in Brighton, which is generally a, a pretty white town, mm. but my church just thrived in diversity. Wow. But not in terms of like the leaders which was fascinating. And they, my church was intentional, like, in terms of bringing, raising up and bringing more, like, ethnic people on, on to preach. Mm. But generally, like, they go through a process of going through eldership before preaching and stuff like that. And so yeah. they compromised on that and they, they had a black guy called Toby come up and preach, even though he wasn't an elder, which was sick. Mm. But, like, in terms of paid leadership, there was one Indian guy out of 15, and that's wow. it. Mm. Wow. And yet, it's one of the most, most diverse churches in Brighton. And I, I, it's, it's fascinating to me. And I almost wonder, I, I know we talked about, I mean, you just shared a minute ago, Aaron, about how it's what goes on behind the room as well as in the room, mm. yeah. which is so important. But my question would be like, even behind the room, if their heart's like in the right place to create a, a welcome space, can you create you know, a welcoming, diverse space Great question. Great question. And and the root of that question is if the heart's in the right place. And I think that's exactly it. One of the things that's happened in our in our country, well, globally, over the past few years is what's happening in America and what's happened here, what's happened wider, has woken up the church uh, to an issue that's always been an issue. Yeah. And wow. so it's and we you know we can always talk about racial justice as a state thing, like, oh, come on, we need to fix it in the world. Like, there's so much of this going on. Mm. But predominantly, I think if the church gets it right, the state gets it right. If mm. the church wow. models it, wow. we become the you know, beacon of lights and hope yeah. to reflect what is possible when we talk about a yeah. picture of heaven. Mm. So mm. is it possible for us to see that happen? Of course. Is there examples of that across the UK? Mm. Of course there is. And it's, it's a gift, right? When uh, you have a diverse body of Christ on the Sunday and you go in and you've got kind of, We've got African aunties and Indian grandmas and like, you know, English people. And it's it's incredible when you look at a church building like that. Mm. And even if the leadership isn't and people feel like they belong is incredible. Mm. And I think the next part of that journey is, well, how do we help people feel like they can contribute to the shaping of the church? So when you talk about behind behind the stage, if the heart's in the right place, what we will do is go, well, this is amazing that we have this leadership team that has one Indian in it, for example, or one person from a different background, but we want to see more people contribute. Mm, How yeah. do we do that? Yeah, and I yeah. think it's intentionally going on that journey. And the prob- not the problem, the often the, the issue is we 
look for leaders. We often notice leaders that look like us. Mm. Mm. So you're quick to notice leadership in someone that models similar characteristics mm. to you. So yeah, you'll, you'll go, oh my God, you know what? That person's carrying something in him. Yeah. This person or th she's mm. like this. And, and it's often people like us. Mm. It's often harder. And what, what we've noticed with, kind of, with students and student leaders raising up, we do that a lot with mm. Fusion is with the local church. We see people from a white background or young white leaders, male or female, when they look at a leadership that's predominantly white, they're like, I feel called to leadership, I want to step up. They will come and put themselves forward because mm. yes. they're like, I, I can shape this room yeah. and I feel like I've got gifting in me. And it's often noticed and affirmed, so yeah. they, they contribute. Yeah. But you'll have an African student in the room or a Chinese student in the room yeah. who go, I feel like I can contribute, but I, don't, I will not put myself forward. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not just like because, they, what, what, because of what they see, it's also cultural. Mm. Yeah, they're not gonna be. They're not. They will not put themselves forward unless they're invited. Mm. Yeah. So, That's like when we talk about like how do we invite more people in, we've got to go. Mm. We've got to create a space to mm. go. Listen, I'd love to see you shape this, mm. even if it's mm. not become a leader or become an elder or become mm. this. Mm. How can we see your voice contribute? Yeah. How we create community mm. here? How we do mission? And how when people feel like you know what, I'm not just a stranger in the, in this family. Mm -hmm. I'm family. And yes. there's a difference between it's being great. a stranger in a house and a fam like mm. family member, right? Like so if, you're, if you're a family in a house, you, you do the cleaning up and yeah. you've got to wash the dishes and you've got to put it away. Where if you're a guest in a house, mm. you don't really have to. Mm. how do we make people in the community, in the church community feel like they're family, wow. that they're like, I want to help shape how we go and where we go yeah. and what mm. we do. Yeah, and that's, it's how do we go on that journey of making that happen. Yeah, yeah. Is that thing the invitation to the church in the, in the time we find yeah. ourselves in? Yeah. Well, the, it's, the answer is kind of in the question. How do you invite people in? Yeah. You invite them. <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's like, oh, it's brilliant. Thanks, yeah. That's, yeah. That's I great. love that. And I love that basically what we're saying is like Jesus belongs to the world. That's like it, yes. he, and I think maybe part of the failure of the UK church historically is that Jesus became this thing maybe for Europeans or Westerners or mm. he was used in the wrong way or he was kind of weaponized. But mm. actually like Jesus was Middle Eastern, he was a Jew, he had probably brown skin and he belongs to the world. And, yeah. and I love that yeah. we get to share, like we get to be generous with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, predominantly in the UK, we know that um, majority of the churches are white churches, but there are some churches that are Afro-Caribbean, Chinese, um, some other um, countries as well. Aaron, what's your stance on that? Yeah, um, when we think about our communities in the UK, it is rich and diverse, right? Like you could walk down a high street here or uh, London is beautiful. An example of that mm. is we are surrounded by the nations at our doorstep. Mm. Um, but when we think about the church in the UK and we talk about failure of the church in the UK, um, it, it's interesting when we talk about reflecting or reflecting the communities that we're based in and often it doesn't happen. But when we talk about the church in the UK, the church in the UK is beautifully diverse and mm -hmm. rich. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about the Afro-Caribbean church in the UK. It's huge. Mm -hmm. The Chinese church in the UK is rich and growing a lot mm -hmm. because of the amount of international students and people coming from Hong Kong because of what's happening there. And um, Iranian church, globally, is the fastest growing church mm -hmm. in the world. And what God's doing there is phenomenal. And that all is reflected in the UK. Mm. But you're right, like we often don't see um, the unity in that. We, we don't share spaces together, mm. uh. so we're unaware of each uh. other. Uh. Um, it's interesting when we talk about community, right? When we talk about like, how do, we, how, do, how do you and me change this? 
How can we play a part as young leaders to see this narrative change? And we're often quick to go to strategies or formulas or what can we do systematically? And we do need this, by the way, I'm not knocking those. Mm. But I think in order for us to see systemic change, change in community, Mm. change has to begin with you and me. And one of the things I used to say is in order for us to see changes in our society, we need to see a change in our table. Mm. Like who is around my dining table at home? Who am I sharing meals with? Mm. Is my dining table or my coffee table diverse? Yes. If it really isn't, then I don't know what I'm trying to do to change my church or my community. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah. I, I grew up in Liverpool. I moved to the UK when I was an 11-year-old kid eh, to Liverpool. And um, I was part of, like I said, part of a Tamil church, a South Indian church. My dad passes the, the church. And we speak that language. We worship in that language. And that's my church upbringing in the UK. But the first time I went to someone's house that wasn't Indian mm. um, was 12 years after being in the UK. Wow. The first time I shared a meal with someone who wasn't Indian or was who was mm. not from a ethnic background yeah. was 12 years after being in the UK. Yeah. And and for for people in the East generally, for I can speak for Indians, building community around the table with food is just how we do it. Yeah. 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 Every Sunday for us in church, we had tea, some snacks, or if not food. <laughs> it's just how we did church. Yeah. yeah. And like the way we built relationships is by eating together. Yeah. The way I knew you, I will get to know you is to say, would you come to my house for dinner? Yeah. Mm. Like that's the way I build mm. community. And so we're often, we're like, how do we build community? Like, what can we do in our churches? What can mm. we do in our city? And we're mm. like, actually, what can I do in my home? Yeah. yeah. It's a great place to start. Good, yeah. Like, what can I do in my flat? <laughs> or what can I do in my house? Mm. How can I have people around me who I can learn from? And mm. when we talk about like people that we share community with, one of the ways people feel really honored and celebrated is when they get to speak about their culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Like you yeah, you could have an Asian student or Asian young person in your church who's predominantly quiet the whole time mm. when we do our socials and we do our gatherings. Tell them to do a bring and share. Mm. Tell them to bring a food from their community. Watch how they come alive. Because mm. they get to tell you a bit about who they are. Yeah. And they get to teach you. They get to give you a part of them. For the first time, they're like, I get to contribute here. Mm. So I think when we talk about yeah building kind of a diverse church, the church, the big C church mm. Mm. is yeah. diverse. It yes. will be. Yes. The prayer of Jesus in John 17 is that, that the church, the disciples of God would look, will be one just in it. He says, just as you and I are one father, let them be one. Mm. Yes. Why? So that the world may know mm. that you sent me. Yes. The way the world will know that Jesus was here, died and rose again and is the Messiah of the world is in the unity that they see of the church. Mm. Yeah. And like, that's the prayer. And that's what we get to go after. And that's why we're talking about this, right? And that's why Mm. we're passionate about this because we're like, Mm. we don't just want to like create things that is external. The change has to begin with me. Yeah. Yeah. It has to start in my house and the the spheres of influence I have. Mm. And that's the way we see shared spaces. We, and and I think to finish it, Mm. in order for us to see this happen, Mm. we've got to, repent a little bit yes. and actually go, we don't have all the answers. Yeah. Mm. Like actually there's a bit of humility to go. We don't have all the answers, but we want to learn. We want to be in spaces with people we can learn from. And I think that's the invitation for us yeah. to be mm. one church, mm. whatever that looks like in our time. Mm. And that's what we're going for. So. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's huge. I love that because like who Jesus ate with, was yeah. so profound. Like right, when he yeah. eats with people, he chooses to say like, look, I'm equal to you. Yeah. Mm. And the, st- the strategy around who was around his table 
angered the Pharisees and angered the people yeah. that were stuck in their religion. And I think that's something so countercultural that we can mm. do because I guess in wider society, people do have friendship groups that are just like them and look like them. But the church is the place, like you said, that we can change the narrative that's and really set what society looks like. And I guess it kind of made, made me think about um, how like you have like moved cities recently, Jesse, yeah. and you've moved to London. Mm. And I guess for you, I don't know, I just felt like it was a bit, a bit similar of like you've moved somewhere new mm. and you're sticking into community and mm. what your community looks mm. like. And I think for a lot of um, like immigrants, we, we move country and everything mm. is new and we're rebuilding community. And so I guess mm. for you, like, are there any lessons you've learned around welcoming people and like being welcomed yourself and how mm. maybe we could apply that to this? Mm. Mm. It's fascinating because, yeah, it, it's fascinating seeing the process because I, I've moved and we, we talked a lot about sticking to what you know, and I've landed yeah. in one of the white church, <laughs> one of the whitest churches in London. And uh, even though that's not what I've grown up with, yeah, right. Like I've grown up listening to gospel, growing up. Well, I mean, all music's <laughs> come, but you know, it, it's generally not my norm, and yet it's what I've landed in. Yeah, it strikes some questions, and, and I'm not quite sure what I do. I think I did have to. Moving to a new city, it's interesting. I did have to kind of put myself out there a little bit. Mm. But that, that's what you spoke on earlier about how it's easier for, for you know, me to stick myself out there in front of a white guy. Mm. Whereas for someone of colour, it's not, not as easy because it's yeah. not in, in comfort. Um, I don't know, I guess... I, I, sorry, I've just got more questions rather than <laughs> yeah, answers. Yeah, no, go um, for it. But like, I know a, a couple of years ago when, I, when you know, our church started growing diversity-wise, much more. And I began to get a bit more, you know, ingrained in the culture and mm. understand more and, and learn a lot more. It was very fun. Mm. Like, it's so fun, isn't it? <laughs> but one, I remember, like, 14-year-old me, I'd struggle to always invite around my more diverse friends or mm. ethnic friends because part of me's a little scared that I might say something wrong. Yeah. Mm. And, like, there's a little bit of tiptoeing around, like... Because yeah. uh, and that's the case with anything. It's yeah. like I could say something wrong to a white friend who's got some trauma and something else, mm. and like yeah. But that I, I don't know. How do you gain confidence in sometimes places of discomfort in, in terms of inviting out friends? Like how can you be confident that it's all right to mm. say the wrong thing sometimes and mess up and grow through that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How can you encourage a fourteen-year-old? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. The fear of the fear of getting something wrong often stops us from doing something in the first place. Mm. And the only way we'll ever grow, this applies to anything in life, to learn anything. The only way we grow is when we just have a go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm. So when we talk about those kind of moments where you're like, oh, I'm scared of having them and then me offending them. I'm like, mm. well, we won't know what it looks like to have mm. them if we never do it in the first place. Mm. So, I, so the answer kind of in that way is just, let's just have a go at it. Yeah. Mm. It might be messy. Yeah. Family is messy. Mm. Like we'll never have yeah. true family if we were looking for perfection. Mm. Like when we talk about yeah. our, own, our own families, mm. it's never perfect around the table when we have family gatherings. Yeah. I'm, I'm an Indian, Indian family gatherings are wild. <laughs> like someone will say something, you know, like someone will annoy someone and like the aunties yeah. are shouting, kids are running around, yeah. it's a mess. But the gold is that. 
Yeah. Yes. It's not perfect. That's great. It's not all polished and perfect and everyone's mm. saying all the right things. It's about, we're all family here. Yeah. We belong. And so, this is rich because we're like this. So I'd say to anyone listening is like, well, how do I start? Well, I'm scared of what am I doing? My encouragement is have a go. Yeah. Have a go. Because I think what we'll learn is far greater than what we'll lose. Yeah. Wow. What, we are, what we are standing to gain is far greater than what we could lose. Because mm. so, what we could gain is family. Yeah. Like what we're looking to gain is like, I, I like, and we've met today, right? Mm. But since the time I met you, the way you addressed me was brother. Mm. Yeah. And that's beautiful because you and I have never met. Mm. And this is the first time I, I, we've seen each other, but we are brothers because that's just the way you look at me and that's the way mm. you invite me. I'm, so I leave today going, I've got a brother in Jesse, yeah. Yeah, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's I rich. And, and that's rich. You're my brother. And that's, and that's beautiful. Wow. And that wasn't because we were like, well, how is Aaron going to be? How is Jesse going to be? Yeah. Like, what do I say? Yeah, how right. do I call him? We just went, family is universal. The language of family is universal. Mm. Yeah. So you notice in, in Indian churches, again, I'll talk for example, we would never call any elders like um, with, by their name. Mm. Everyone's an auntie. Mm. Everyone's an uncle. Mm. Like everyone's family, like African church is the same. Yeah. Aunties this, and everyone has a say in your life, mm. right? <laughs> you don't know them, you're not family, mm. but everyone is treated as family. Mm. Yes. And I think if we were to live in that way, and I think historically UK was like that. Yeah. Mm. It, we were massive yeah. in terms of community. We, we did life in our neighborhoods. We shared food together. Like when I'm mm. thinking about the UK, historically, yeah. like people in the streets would go to their neighbors to get some tea, or if you ran out, you know, you'd mm. get sugar from your neighbor. And like, that's how, we are. Mm. But I think over the years, we've lost that. Mm. We've lost the sense of like, mm. that my neighbor is my neighbor. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And I think sometimes I'm like, yeah. oh, I need to love my neighbor. Yeah. And my neighbor isn't someone who looks like me. My neighbor is the person in my close community, whoever yeah. that is. And I'm like, well, what, is, what does it mean to love my neighbor? Mm. Yeah. Is to invite them into family. Yeah. You know, so I'm so like, to, to, to the 14 year old Jesse, I'm like, <laughs> have a go. Yeah, literally. Invite them. And, and what you might have gained that day in having a go was like, learn something about a culture and community. Maybe got a family and a friend. Yeah. Mm. And I think mm. that's what we stand to gain. Mm. That is what we all stand to gain in doing that. So good, man. Yeah. So good. Mm. There's a really cool resource mm. out there called The Culture Map, where Erin Mayer, she's done this research on how different cultures connect. And mm. um, there's loads that I'm, I won't go into detail. But one of the things that's really cool is how she talks about how people build trust. Wow. And, wow. and this is... Phenomenal, because uh, in that research, she says the US and UK probably fall on this side. They build trust based on task-based relationship. Mm. Meaning, mm. you do mm. something for me, mm. yeah. and you do what you say you'll do. Mm. I can trust you now because mm. you you can have you did your task. Mm. Nigeria, India, China, they fall on the other end of the scale, which is relationship-based trust. Yeah. Mm. So mm. they're like, I don't care if you do what you say you're gonna do. Mm. If I don't have a relationship with you, yeah. I won't trust you. Mm. Wow. wow, that's good, yeah. So it's, it's amazing, because you don't think about, oh, when we think about how we build, build trust with someone, we're like, oh, if someone turns up and they said they were gonna do the, the thing that they said they were gonna do, American churches, UK churches are like, we can trust them. Yeah. Yeah. The Indian church is like, don't care what you do. If I don't have you around my house and I get mm. to know you, yeah. now I trust you and I have a relationship with you, I trust you, yeah. I'll do what I want. So people will come, not because you do an event and you do it well, yeah. people will come because they know you. Mm. So I'm like, how do we then create those spaces when we talk about one church mm. that is bigger than the building? Yeah. And I think we will be one day. Mm. But I think there are opportunities for us to share space mm. that are kind of presented to us every day that maybe mm. we miss. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's gold. 
That's so good. And I think, you know, Aaron, for me, you've been a real mentor figure in my life where I've been like, you know, in floods of tears sometimes with you being like, oh my gosh, like everyone's white (laughs) and it hurts. Um, So I guess, yeah, what would you say to, I think, the young non-white leader that maybe is in a predominantly white space, maybe is in an all, you know, Asian African church. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage them for those moments where it's frustrating and it just feels yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't belong here? Mm. Yeah, so good. Hallmarks of a pioneer or those very things, right? Um, is that we're having to pave a way. And I remember, like, that was one of the first things I said to you that is that these struggles that you're walking through now mm. are going to mean there's going to be a whole heap of leaders coming behind us who are going to not have to face some of the challenges that you've had to. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so my encouragement to a young leader listening to this is your leadership matters. Mm. Your voice matters. Mm. Even if right now it feels like you're not making, um, you're not making a contribution or making an impact in the way you perceive to be successful. Mm. Everything you're doing today means tomorrow yeah. <laughs> uh, someone else doesn't have to walk to what you're walking to today. Yeah. Wow. So when I, in the six years of being at Fusion and have had to question my leadership many a times and I've had to have people kind of remind me I belong. Mm. Uh, the thing that's kept me going is this, Aaron, every time you stand, every time you speak, wherever it is that God's calling you to, remember that because of you standing here, someone watching this, seeing this, hearing about this, mm has the confidence to go for it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining us on today's podcast. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for being our special yeah, guest today. Man. We appreciate you and Susanna and Jesse. It's been real. <laughs> yeah, make sure you guys follow us on all of our social media accounts at The Way UK and we'll see you next time. <laughs>